This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And with that begins to crystallize the concept of the Messiah. Who is the Messiah anyway? The Messiah is the one who comes. That's who he is. The Messiah is the coming one. Psalm 50, verse three, Psalm 50, verse three, where David said, our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him. It shall be very tempestuous round about him. He's the one who comes, the Messiah. He is the coming one. This is what happened when they brought him and announced him into the city of Jerusalem when he came in on Palm Sunday in Matthew 21, 9. The multitudes that went before followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he left, he said to his parting words to Israel, you won't see me again until you say those words. Until you say those words. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Who is he that comes? The Messiah. That's what, who the Messiah is. He's the one who comes. He is the one that cometh. So when they hear him say this in Matthew 10, 34 here, verse 34, I am come. Their hearts burn. Can't you see that? Their hearts burn within them as they realize it's the Messiah. He's the one in that. We just heard the Messiah say, I am come. Thrilling. Anyway, in his preparation of them, it's very important that he sets their thinking straight. Their thinking straight. So he starts off in verse 34 where he says, think not. He's getting them to think in the right way. He's concerned about what they're thinking about, just as he's concerned about what we think about, our thinking. The Lord's concerned about what what thoughts are living in our mind. He's concerned about what occupies our thoughts. Why? Because Proverbs 23, seven says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts 
determine who we are. An adulterer is an adulterer because he thinks of adultery. That's what makes him an adulterer. This is what it says in 2 Peter 2.14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. That means they cannot cease from thinking about adultery. That's why he said it in uh, Matthew 5.28, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. He's an adulterer because of his thoughts of adultery. We'll be a good person if we think on good things. We'll be an honest person if we think on honest things. We'll be a pure person if we think on pure things, which is why we're told in Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he gets right into their minds as he's speaking to them, and he says to them, don't think that his coming is gonna result in peace. That, not his first coming. This is his first coming. There's gonna be no peace. Just the opposite, there's gonna be no peace, there's gonna be a sword. His second coming, his second coming. That's when there'll be peace, but not this one. So he goes on to explain why there's gonna be no peace. Why? Because of verse 35. I am come to set a man at variance against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He describes and he uses this word variance. Another word for variance is disagreement. He sees clearly that the father of the house will not agree with his son, who now claims that he found Jesus, he believes in Jesus, he believes that Jesus Christ is God. I know that personally because I was that son whose father did not agree with me that Jesus Christ is God. He sees clearly that the mother of the house, in Jewish culture, the mother of house is the supreme being. She sees clearly that the mother of the house will not agree with her daughter who now claims that Jesus is God. He sees clearly that the mother-in-law will not agree with that girl that his son chose to marry who says that Jesus Christ is God. And I know that personally because my wife Cheryl was that girl that I chose to marry that my mother did not agree with Cheryl that Jesus Christ was God. So all of these disagreements are called variants in verse 35. Even though the disagreements and the arguments would be sharp and they would be divisive and they would destroy peace in the home and in some cases result in a warfare, even all of that would happen he said that he would not back down and that he was insisting to hold fast, stand fast, even though it brings war in the home. And so he has carefully chosen who would be the ones he's describing here. The order which he gives is very significant here because he's talking about, the referring to in these verses, he says, first, it would be the Jewish young son who would leave the family tradition of Jews don't believe in Jesus, like me, a 19-year-old kid, 
and it would be the Jewish daughter who would meet a friend somewhere outside a home, maybe on college, maybe in school, whatever, who would tell her about Jesus and bring her to faith in Jesus, and she would be the one to dare to not obey her mother, her Jewish mother, who has ordered her to renounce Christ. It would be that Goy girl that her son married, the Goy daughter-in-law that believes in Jesus and who refuses to stop talking about Jesus. And all of these conflicts would result in, a pl- in no peace in the home, in a sword. Now, you, you take one step back on all this, and you see the son who believes against his father, who keeps telling his son to honor his father and tells him to go to the rabbis and he renounces Jesus, like my nefesh, benefesh advisor who's been assigned to get me Israeli citizenship but from the law of return of Jew, get really Leah. And she told me recently, if you wanna become an Israeli citizen as a Jew, all you have to do is go to a synagogue and find a rabbi and renounce Jesus, and that's how you can become an Israeli citizen as a Jew. You take one step back and it can be seen that in verse 36, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. What's going on here? What's happening? The one group that should be standing up for you, the one group that should be supporting you are your family members. It's your family members. And it's those of your own household that should be protecting you, that should be defending you, that should be supporting you in your need, but just the opposite. And he's preparing them by telling them, it's the very members of your own household, your own family, they're gonna be your worst enemies. And what could make this happen? One reason, Jesus Christ, and your belief that Jesus Christ is God. But then, there are still some members of your household who even though they don't believe the way you do, some of them will stand up for you. Some of them, like my older cousin, my older cousin who I had uh, dinner with, with her husband, and her husband, by the way, taught in the synagogue. He taught classes against Jesus. That's what he did. And so at this particular dinner, neither my cousin nor her husband knew that I believed in Jesus before. So this one night we had dinner together and, and I told them both, I announced to them both that I believed in Jesus and my cousin was surprised, but my cousin's husband looked at me and said, you are out of your mind. He said that. <laughs> my cousin defended me and says, Tommy is not out of his mind. <laughs> That's the only time that anyone in my family ever defended me for believing in Jesus. But in general, for a Jewish family, the Lord has described it perfectly in verse 36 when he says, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. But the reality is that in a Jewish home, the Lord Jesus Christ brings division. As he described in Luke 12, 51, this is kind of a parallel passage, Luke 12, 51. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, two against three. Father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter-in-law against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Did you get how many times he said against and division? And inevitably, 
the gauntlet will be thrown down by the Father who says, do you love me or your Christ? Which one do you love more? You choose. Inevitably, it will be the mother who will throw down the gauntlet and she will say, do you love me or Christ more? You choose. The choice is gonna come down to which one do you love more, Father or Christ? It's time to choose. It's a choice of more. Which one do I love more, Mother or Christ? It's time to choose. It's a choice of more. The Son didn't want it to come down to this, to this choice. The Father has brought it down to this choice, and now the Son must choose. The daughter, the daughter-in-law, she didn't want it to come down to this choice, but the mother has precipitated it and brought it down to the choice, and now the daughter-in-law must choose. And the Lord sees the pressure of this choice. He sees it so clearly. The Lord feels the pain of the son and the daughter and the daughter-in-law. And so he says in verse 37, to the son, to the daughter, to the daughter-in-law, that they should choose well. They should think when they choose. He wants the son, the daughter, the daughter-in-law to see what's at stake in this choice. A lot's on the line. It's not really uh, just a choice for the father or for the mother. This is a choice for the father or the mother that will be against Christ. The choice, this is a choice against the father, against the mother that will be for Christ. And this is what the Lord Jesus wants to be seen so clearly in verse 37 when he says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So in this verse, the Lord is saying, be careful. Be very careful with your choice. Be very careful with how much value you put on peace in the home. Be very careful with how much value you put on your relationship with your father or mother. He's already talked to them about the subject of confessing and denying, about him confessing or denying before God the Father. When he said in previous verses up there, verse 32, verse 32, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before, also before my Father which is in heaven, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So now it's come down to the son or the daughter or the daughter-in-law if they want to hear the Lord Jesus say about them to God the Father, Father, here is the one, and he loved his father more than me, and she loved her mother or her mother-in-law more than me. Or if on that day, if they want to hear the Lord Jesus say, Father, here is this one, he loved me more than his father. She loved me more than her mother or mother-in-law. And he wants that scene of that, what I was just talking about, confessing or denying, to be so clear before them as they make their choice that he uses this words in verse 37 a couple times, worthy of me. Worthy of you what? Worthy of me, confessing you. Worthy of me, standing with you. It's just like the time when, um, when there was a gathering around a warm fire, and uh, there was a wonderful feeling of being filled with delicious fish and fresh-baked bread. And in that scene, Jesus posed a question to Peter, and he asked Peter in John 21, 15, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, 
Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. What the Lord was saying to Peter was, Peter, it's really a matter of more here, Peter. Peter, I know you love the fish. I know you love the bread. They're warm. They're comforting. You've been out there on the lake. You've been wet. You'd cold on the lake. And who wouldn't love this fish and this bread? My question to you, Peter, is not if you love the bread or the fish. I know you love the bread or the fish. I'm asking you which one you love better, the bread and the fish or me. This is what the Lord is saying here. Son, I know you love your father. You should. My question to you is, which one do you love more, me or your father? Daughter, daughter-in-law, I know you love your mother. You should. My question to you is, which one do you love more, me or your mother? It all comes down to the word more. Which one do you love more? Now, for him to make this claim that he should be loved more than father and mother, it's ludicrous unless one thing is true, unless one fact is true, and the fact is that Jesus Christ is God. And if Jesus Christ is God, then the Shema applies to him. Deuteronomy 6.4, Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. So if Jesus Christ is God, then you should love him, Deuteronomy 6.5, with all your heart and your soul and your might. And that means more than mother or father. So he starts in verse 35 with the Jewish persons who usually are the ones who turn to the Lord. The younger, the sons, the daughters, the daughters-in-law. They're the ones who usually are the ones who just are tired of those old, old traditions that don't bring any inner peace, they don't bring any security, they don't bring any sense of being cleansed. They don't do that. It's just a whole lot of you gotta do this and you gotta do that, and if you do this and you do that, somebody's gonna say mazel tov to you. But it's not always the younger ones in the family who turn from Judaism to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when they do, they're in danger of the first part, where it says there in, in verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, but sometimes it's the parents. Sometimes it's the parents, the fathers and the mothers who turn from Judaism to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're in danger of loving their sons and their daughters more than the Lord Jesus. And it's to them that he speaks in the second part of verse 37 when he says, he that loveth sons or daughters more than me is not worthy of me. Now, as the Lord continues to prepare his disciples for what they're gonna face, he now tells them in verse 38, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. This is the first time that the Lord Jesus has brought up the subject of the cross. Up until this point, no one has any idea how he's going to die. Oh, as the Messiah, he was known to have to die for the sins of the people. According to the prophetic scriptures, 
which speak of the Messiah's death. For example, in Isaiah 53, 12, the Messiah is described as he hath poured out his soul unto death, Isaiah 53, 12. Psalm 22:15, where the Messiah is spoken of, thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Psalm 22:15, Daniel 9:26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So he was very well known that the Messiah was going to die for sins. He shall be cut off, but not for himself. It was very well known. He shall pour out his soul unto death. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Isaiah 53.10. This was all very well known that the Messiah was going to die. But how was he going to die? Nobody knew that. It was known the Messiah was going to be pierced from the prophetic scriptures which speak of the Messiah in Psalm 22.16. They pierced my hands and my feet. As it literally says, a lion was at his hands and his feet. Lions don't lick your hands and feet. Anyway, they pierced my hands and my feet. Zechariah 12.10, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Look upon me whom they have pierced. So from the prophetic scriptures, it was known that the Messiah was gonna be a sacrifice to die for sins and it was somehow gonna be involved maybe piercing. But how was this piercing gonna take place? What would that piercing be that would probably kill the Messiah? Would, that pier- would the Messiah die as a sin sacrifice by the piercing of a sword? That's what you would think. By the piercing of an arrow? That's what you would think. By the piercing of a dart like Absalom did? That's what you would think. It was not known, though, exactly how the piercing would kill the Messiah. There's going to be a piercing of a sword, a piercing of an arrow, a, pierce- a dart. That was well known in Israel. Kings in Israel died that way by swords, by arrows, by darts. No one would have imagined that the Messiah was going to die from the piercing of a Roman cross. Nicodemus, when he came to the Messiah by night, he only could have imagined what it meant when the Messiah told him that night in that secret encounter that night in John 3.14 when he heard when Nicodemus heard the Messiah say, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Lifted up? Lifted up? Whatever could that have meant to Nicodemus? Nicodemus never could have imagined that it meant lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a savior. And we can only imagine the shock, because this is the first time he's mentioned it, the cross. We can only imagine the shock of the disciples for them to hear for the first time, the cross? They knew what he was referring to, the Roman cross. The Roman cross was always fatal. No one ever came off alive off a Roman cross. The Roman cross was the most torturous, cruel way known for a man to die. It was a slow death. It was a slow death by dehydration. It was a slow death by effectively drowning, slowly drowning, the lungs filling with fluids. It was a slow and torturous death. It was a humiliating death, naked on the cross, in humiliation, dragged on for hours. It was the most degrading way to die. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.